0: This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen and I want to welcome you to my warning radio program. You're going to hear a message titled Confidence spoken by Dr. E.J. McCart, the dean of our Bible schools around the world for World Ministries International. This message was spoken on August 31, 2019 in the chapel of World Ministries International and I was out of town. Now let's begin.
1: I'm going to be working in Hebrews chapter ten. Actually this is a message which I prepared for Seoul Korea. First message I gave was on faith and trust. And as I told over there when I went to give the message and the interpreter came up to me and she had a hard time because in Seoul Korea the word for faith and trust is the same word and I was separating the two. So I kind of explained it to her and she understood it. So then she asked, can I speak to the people beforehand? So she spoke probably for three or four minutes explaining what I was going to do. But anyway, it worked out good because they all understood it. Basically it was is that we all have faith in Jesus. We have faith in God. But do we truly trust him? Just because you have faith does not necessarily mean you trust him in all things. And that's the difference I had. It's a Holy Spirit conference. And basically whenever you go to Pentecostal churches, they talk about the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was sent to be our Comforter as well. So I'm not denying the gifts, but I want to have them concentrate on the Comforter, the God comfort us. Under that same principle, I'm coming up the word confidence. For all of this to take place, we have a responsibility and that's to have confidence. Now, I'm getting this out of Hebrews. I looked up in the Webster's Dictionary, and the first definition that's in the dictionaries for confidence is feeling or trust in a person or a thing. And the second one is the relationship of trustfulness of intimacy. So it's a relationship of trustfulness and intimacy. We've heard so many messages lately that we need to become intimate with the Lord. The Lord should be our center of our life. Now, it doesn't matter what our occupation is, but even within every occupation, Jesus can still be the center. You may be a pilot. You may be a construction worker. You may be a flagman. You may be an accountant. It doesn't matter. You can still be a representative and have Christ be the first person of importance. And I want to say one other thing because I have a young couple here that maybe in the future will become husband and wife. But I'm going to teach something that most people don't teach. This has to do with putting things in proper order. And I'm taking this from a believer in Israel. The believer in Israel is Asher and Trader. And he's a Jew who's become a believer. In Israel, they like to be called not Messianic Jews. That is not a good term. You use that in Israel, beware. But you can call them believers in Yeshua. That's accepted in the Jewish community better than a Messianic Jew. A Messianic Jew is someone who left the Jewish faith. A believer in Yeshua is one that has not left the Jewish faith. But they understand that, as Selah is saying, the Bible is one book. Jesus was there in the beginning and all the way through to the end and into the future. He said one thing, and I taught this in Korea, when you become a child of God, when you give your life and become part of the kingdom, when Jesus says repent for the kingdom of God's hand, and when you repent you become part of the kingdom, your automatically first thing is the kingdom of God. What was the first thing God created after he created man? woman? He created marriage before he ever created the church. Before he ever created ministry, he created family. You have to understand that. Family has priority if you're part of the kingdom of God. Then comes the ministry. And you have to kind of settle it because ministry is your work, your occupation serving the Lord. I was a pilot and my job was as a pilot also to serve the Lord in my occupation. And so the first thing I think you have to understand that marriage is extremely important in God's eyes and the devil is trying his best to destroy it. So you have to guard your heart to make sure he does not do anything that would destroy that. The divorce rate, it says, is like 52% in the church. It shouldn't be. But the devil doesn't play fair. He will go after any weak spot and try to get it done. And I think that's one of the reasons we see so much in the advertisement. You advertise a car. A car is a beautiful piece of equipment. Why do they have to have a lady out there, all decked out, to get your attention to see the car. If you're a guy, you look at the girl, not the car. And the other thing on that issue, for young people to understand, you know, we used to everybody used to get dressed up fully clothed when they went to church. And back when I was growing up and before I was growing up, I mean ladies were dressed up fully clothed, so were basically men. But what happened? All of a sudden, nakedness or showing start to appear. Why did that take place? It's pretty simple if you understand the Bible. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, what kind of clothes did they have on?
0: Nothing.
1: Were they ashamed? Was God ashamed of them? What happened when they sinned? They even put on a fig leaf, or whatever the leaf was, but then God slaughtered a lamb, sacrificed the blood of an animal to cover them. So what is this thing that we see in our Hollywood stuff? It's rebellion against God. Because now, he came and covered up our nakedness, now we're starting to show it back. People don't think about that. But that's a rebellion against God. And Satan is using that to his honor and his glory. And we ain't going to give it to him. Confidence! Okay, I'm going to start with Hebrews 10:16. We'll be reading most of it, but not all of it. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, And into their minds I will write them. That is not a New Testament concept. That is an Old Testament concept. God put the law into the hearts of men. He did write them on two tablets of stone. But now he's going to write them in your mind. So we've added a little bit different here. God did put the laws in the hearts of men. But now he's going to put them not just on two tablets of stone. But he's going to put them in their mind. And the sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where there's remission of all these, the remission of sin, there is no more offering for sin because the sin has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, now we go to verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. The question I have is what does our confidence in Christ actually give us? This is the first one. It gives us boldness. We can be bold about Jesus. We don't have to be ashamed. Is Satan ashamed about what he does? He's awful bold. He's right on your face all the time. So we have to come back with the boldness in Christ. We need to come into God's presence. Now, the veil that's talked about here, he says, is his flesh. The other veil that we need to understand is the veil that kept between the holies of holies in the tabernacle. Only the high priest could go into the holies of holies because that was where the presence of God was at that period in time. Only the high priest could go in. And once a year, and they actually tied a rope on him, on his foot, because if he went into the presence of God with sin in his life, he was automatically killed. He would die. So in case he did, they'd pull him out because who could go in there? I mean, a little bit dangerous there. You know, if you stop to think about that, Many, many people at church really don't understand the holiness of God and the judgment of God and how God can actually wipe you out. Remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? They didn't do anything wrong, but they lied about it. One thing I always told Caitlin when she was a little girl, I don't know, how old were you? Okay, I'll tell you later. I told her, I told Caitlin, I told Caitlin, whatever you do, don't lie to Grandpa. And that was it. She, She understood it, but she lied. And I found out about it. And I did what most people won't do today. I turned her over and I spanked her. And she cried. And it was hard on Grandpa, but she cried. But when she got home to Dad, she showed her Dad, Dad, don't lie to Grandpa, he spanks real hard.
0: Yeah, I learned
1: a lot. And that's another thing that we need to learn. You know, spanking, the God cut the buttocks with a pad there so it won't hurt. He didn't necessarily do it with your face and every place else, but he put it back there for a reason, so... Mom and dad can spank you and spank heart without really hurting you. And you'll remember what you did wrong. And of course, Karen and I know about soap. If you use bad words, you ended up getting your mouth washed with soap. And if you ever like the soap in your mouth, you'll understand it's not a very pleasant thing. But anyway, so the veil has been broken now, and it's split from the top to the bottom. And there's historical significance. They usually split from the bottom up, but God split it from the top to the bottom. So now we can enter into the holy of holies. We can enter into God's presence because of the blood Jesus said, And once he said that blood, there is no longer any need for the sacrifice of animals. That's all been taken care of by the blood of Jesus. In other words, you're talking about what does confidence give us? Number two, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. It gives us full assurance of faith. You don't have to any doubt or any unbelief. And having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. In other words, we all have an evil conscience. We're born with it since Adam and Eve sinned. We have it there. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. In other words, we have the ability to hold our faith without wavering. We don't have any doubts. No hesitation. We can have total confidence. Because we have what God has promised. Turn to 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful by whom he were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful and he is the one who has called us. We need to be thankful that God called each and every one of us. He has called each and every one of us and he has chosen us. And Matthew talks about being called and chosen. I like to go to the Revelation one where it says, those who will come and rule and reign with him in the millennium. He says, these are the called, the chosen, and the faithful. Just because you're called and chosen to a ministry, you have to remain faithful. If you're called to be a accountant, you're called to be faithful to your employer and to the people you work with, and you're called to be faithful to them. That's being faithful to God. Being faithful in what you call to do your work Whatever occupation is, is also being faithful to God. And you'll hear stories over and over in history where worldly employers did not get rid of the Christian people because they were faithful, they were trustworthy. And he couldn't say that of the others. That's a witness. And verse 24, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Because we have confidence in the Lord we can provoke others to love and to do good works because people will recognize love and good works. The reason a lot of people get fired from jobs is because they haven't done good works. In other words, they haven't lived up to what the employee required of them. Now, there may be some employers who require something that you shouldn't be doing, so we're not talking about that, but we're just talking about doing the job that you've been called to do and doing it with love and doing it well. And God will give you that then. He's promised to do that. We read in 1 Corinthians 1, 9 let Let's go back to verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Cast away your confidence. A confidence is not what you have in yourself. A confidence is what you have in Christ. Don't throw it away. Don't give it up. The enemy will try to have you give up. But don't give it up. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. In other words, if you don't throw it away, you will receive a reward, a great reward of the Lord. And verse 36. For you have need of patience. Ha ha. Oh boy. (laughs) For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Who gives you the promise? God, he's going to determine whether or not he's going to give you the reward. He's going to determine whether or not he's going to give you the promise. But if you have patience, and after you've done the will of God, then the victory will come. God has to honor his word. Whenever you go through the difficult times, like when Pastor had to go through the time he had four illnesses, he went to the scripture... And many, many solid Christians, when they've had problems with health or whatever it is, they've gone and they just stood on the promise of God. Think, Pastor, how many pages did he write? I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Karen and I are going through a situation now, and I've got about four pages of promises based on what we're doing. They're standing on the promises of God. I believe my God is faithful and that he will honor it. But now we still have work to do, (laughs) but he will honor it. So if you're having a difficult time somewhere, just go to the Bible. Bible. Find out the promises of God, write them down, and if you got a break at work or something, just, you know, read it over. And read them over at least once a day and God will honor that. Let's take a look at some other scriptures about confidence. Let's go to Psalm 118, the middle of your Bible. It's exactly the center of the Bible. I'm not sure exactly how they determine this, but it's based on the Hebrew Bible. I think it's based on the words because they don't have verses and chapters, by the way. That was added for our benefit, so that we could remember where they're at to go back and refer to it. And as you understand that the original Bible didn't have verses and chapters. It's like writing a letter. When you write a letter to someone, do you write down and break it down verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4? They say that this is the center of the Bible. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Verse 8 and 9. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. So, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. In other words, our confidence has to be put in God and not in man. That doesn't mean that we can't trust what some men say and do. We're supposed to have an apostle. We're supposed to have someone over us. We need to trust in them because they got to trust God. Remember, they're responsible to God. And if they're telling us something they're not doing, I would not want to be in their shoes. Judgment Day will not be very nice. And if anyone's in a position of pastoral leadership, that's something they've got to really seriously think about. You need to speak the truth. And it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes, that's the leaders of your nation, than in your government. Can you have confidence in some of the things of the government? Yeah. But you don't put all of your confidence in because some of it may be wrong. For some unknown reason, governments seem to make some bad laws. And matter of fact, the more laws that they make, the more difficult it becomes for the country. Every country that's been gone. One good example is Rome. Rome had so many laws that it destroyed them. The laws are simple. There's ten of them. There's ten basic laws that'll cover everything. And I think they're called the Ten Commandments. Now, some man they take the Ten Commandments and change it and left one out to meet their needs. So when you go to read the Ten Commandments, you'll find out there's two different sets of Ten Commandments. They're all based in the Bible, but they just skip one and make the ninth and tenth two commandments. And that one is, thou shalt not make any graven image. That one's been removed in a certain denomination. So I don't know how many you know that, but there is. There's two different listings of the Ten Commandments. But the Ten Commandments is basically all we need. And then if any laws that we need in addition to that, because we are dealing with powers and principalities of evil... Those commandments must line up with those ten. If they line up with those ten, they're great. One says, thou shall not kill. I don't need to go into that one. By the way, most people don't understand that, but here in America, everybody says the law in America is that abortion is legal. The law has never been made as such. There's only one department within our Constitution that's allowed to make the laws of the land And it has to start in the House of Representatives. Then, once the law is approved by the Senate, it goes in and is filed into the federal registry. Now it is fully law. All the Supreme Court justice can do, and any judge can do, is to give an opinion. That opinion that he gave to the same-sex marriage, let's say, only applies to that couple. That couple has the right to be married, but it's not the law of the land. I don't know when this took over where the Supreme Court judge's opinion became law. If I understand it right, a lot of members of the bars cannot argue with that or they lose their license, so they're very cautious about it. But anyway, I just want to let you know that. Now, can we get thrown in jail and do all these other things because we don't obey that law? Unfortunately, yes, but it's not a law. So there's some decisions that have to be made. But If the church would stand up, they could easily overcome this. The church can be very powerful, but they're afraid. And one of the reasons they're afraid of is really sad because in Romans 13:1, many of the translations said, you must obey the authority of your government, not the higher power. By changing that word, believe it or not, there have been government representatives gone into some of the major churches. And this is like 20 years ago. And these pastors are still head of these major churches. and said, by the way, when we have dissension within our country, like civil disobedience. Remember, teach your congregation, they must obey the authority of the government. It's right in your Bible. But that's not what it says. It's the higher powers. The higher powers is God. It's God's law that you have to obey, not man's law. Let's go to Proverbs 3.26. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. In other words, the enemy will not be able to get after us if we put our confidence in the Lord. Then your walk will be good. Let's go to Jeremiah 2.37. Yea, thou shalt go forth from him, and thy hands upon thy head. For the Lord has rejected thy confidence, and thou shalt not prosper in them. He's talking about man's confidence here. have these people go like this. Okay? Right here, when it's saying, Thou shalt go forth from him, and thy hands upon thy head. For the Lord has rejected thy confidence, and that thou shalt not prosper in the confidence of men. Only in the confidence of God. Ephesians 3.12 In whom we have the boldness and the excess with confidence by the faith of him. Not by the faith of us. Him is Jesus Christ. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of Him, faith of Jesus. And we can have His faith. Philippians 3, 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Jesus Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. The opposite is a flesh is Christ. And then 1 John 3, verse 20 and 21. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. Sometimes your heart will get condemned, but God is greater. The enemy will try to condemn your heart. But when he does that, God is greater than our heart. He created the heart. He knows exactly what it's about. We're not talking physical heart. We're talking about the spiritual heart that God is greater and knoweth all things. And, beloved, if our heart condemn us not, if we're not condemned in our heart, then we have full confidence towards God. 1 John 5, verse 13 and 14. These things I've written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He will hear us. Did He say He answered us? He heareth us. Why will He sometimes answer and sometimes not? God has three ways of answering our questions: Mm -hmm. yes, no, later. He knows what we need. He knows what's best for us. We only look at the present circumstances. Sometimes we cannot see above the circumstance. That's because we're human beings. We cannot see beyond the circumstance. But that's what faith. Trust and confidence is all about. We have confidence in God that he will see us through according to his word. When I was reading family devotions, it just so happened it was exactly what I was going to have this message. And I didn't know about this. But this is David Workelson's devotional, which I like very well. I think I've gone through this thing about three times. And he's got some good points in here. Holy boldness and spiritual authority. The more someone is with Jesus, the more that person becomes like Jesus in purity, Holiness and love. Remember the one of the things that we hear over and over in this ministry we need to become intimate with the Lord. His pure walk produces in him a great boldness for God. Scripture says quote, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. The word for bold in this verse means secure and confident. That is a kind of boldness the synagogue rulers saw in Peter and John as a minister. This you'll find interesting. In the previous chapter in Acts, Peter and John prayed for a crippled beggar, and he was instantly healed. This healing caused a great stir around the temple, and the religious leaders arrested the disciples in an attempt to keep them from sharing their faith in Christ. In other words, the leaders say, Hey, we got to shut these people up because if they keep doing this, people are going to start following them, not us. So they said, we'll arrest them, put them in jail, and tell them, just forget this, guys. But they didn't realize the boldness of Peter and John that they had in Christ. Peter and John met with the synagogue rulers. But the Bible does not go into much detail about this scene in Acts 4. Yet I can assure you the religious leaders orchestrated it to be all pomp and ceremony. First, the dignitaries solemnly took their velvety seats. Then the high priest's relatives filed into their seats. Finally, in a moment of hush anticipation, the robed high priest strutted in. Everyone bowed as the priest passed by, walked stiffly up the aisle towards the seat of judgment. This was meant to intimidate Peter and John, but it did not work. The disciples had been with Jesus too long, had too much of an intimate relationship. I imagine Peter thinking, come on, get this meeting started, give me the pulpit and turn me loose. I got a word from God for this gathering. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to preach in your name to these Christ-haters. Acts 4.8 begins with, Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. And this tells me there was not going to be a very quiet reserved lecture. Peter was a Jesus-possessed man and bursting with the Holy Spirit. Likewise, today, God's true servant starts to stand boldly with the gospel truth. His authority gives us boldness to preach before anyone, anywhere. And this is the confidence that God gives us. Thank you, Lord. Lord, help us to continue to have that boldness that it takes. The staying strong as Peter and John before the leaders of the synagogue who had tremendous power and authority, but they had the boldness in Christ to teach who you are, Lord. And they could not overcome Peter and John because of the word that they had and the confidence they have. And it's that confidence when we have, as we talk with people, as we visit with people, as we share with people, as we love with people, and we call them to repentance, it's that is what we're looking for, that confidence and that boldness, because that is what they'll hear. And we know out there there's many are searching right now, but many of them are searching in the wrong places. They're trying to find something to fill that spiritual need because they don't understand that we are a spirit body as well as a physical body. They know how to meet the physical needs, but they do not know how to meet the spiritual need. It's there, and they're looking for something. They can turn to many different ways to occupy their mind, but really what they're looking is for the Spirit of God to come in and fill that void, which only God can do, only the Holy Spirit can do. So, Lord, we pray that you'll start touching our friends, our relatives, even our enemies, those that are trying to come against us. Touch them, Lord, with the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and open up their eyes. For we all are blind at one time and had to have the blinders removed. But sometimes, Lord, I think you need to put the blinders back on so we stay ourselves focused on you. That's the reason they put blinders on horses, so they'll focus straight ahead down the road and not look to the left and look to the right. So, Lord, if we sometimes start looking to the left and looking to the right, put the blinders back on until we can keep our eyes focused on you. So we do give you thanks and praise. For even those things that we think are bad are usually used for good. And that's a good example. So we do give you thanks and praise. Be with us today as we continue to celebrate the Sabbath day of rest. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
0: This is Dr. Hansen. I hope you've enjoyed this warning radio program where the message was confidence taught by Dr. E.J. Buckhart. My phone number is three six zero six two nine five two four eight. 360 629 My website, www.worldministries.org, www.worldministries.org. This program is entirely listener-supported. We need your help if we're going to continue to stay on your local radio station. Also, click on Eagles Saving Nations on my website to subscribe. We need another great awakening. We need to get into the football stadiums, not with a woke message, but with the gospel of Jesus Christ moving in the power
1: of God when we leave those stadiums to take back America. God bless you.